Welcome to the Revival Center Podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and thoughts from our church. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. meditate on what this means to us uh, tonight starting in verse 33 now when the sixth hour had come there was great darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour it was in the ninth hour that Jesus cried out my God my God why have you forsaken me some of those who stood by when he heard this they said look he is calling for Elijah verse 36 then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let, let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. Verse 37, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Now, obviously, Friday set up Sunday, and so if I could jump forward to Mark 16 and read verses 1 through 4. Now, when the the Sabbath had passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and uh, Salome brought uh, spices uh, that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, verse 3. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Let us pray as we begin to move through these scriptures and dissect what it means to us tonight. Father, we recognize that what happened tonight, what happened on Sunday, it, it removed every obstacle in our life. We recognize that what took place, Jesus, it changed everything. And I pray, God, that you would open up these scriptures to our heart. May it encourage us tonight, encourage our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. For the next few minutes, I want to speak to your faith as you're meditating. Easter and Good Friday is why we have faith at all. It's why our faith is real. And what Jesus did this weekend, in fact, you can put that next uh, slide up very quickly. And what Jesus did this weekend removed the obstacles between us and God. If you've been following along during the series, The Jesus Story, then you understand the depth of what I mean whenever I say that what Jesus did right there on the picture removed the obstacles. And I always like to be reminded whenever I see a a picture like this that this is how much Jesus loves us. This is how much Jesus loved me. How much did he love you? That much right there. This also tells me how sin can destroy us. How deadly is sin? How deep does the depravity of the human heart go? That's how deep the, the, the humanity's heart can go, the depravity of it. Because it was a human heart. It was humans that put a a sinless man, put a perfect man on the cross. The depths of my heart, 
I don't even want to think about how deep it can go. The depravity of my own mind, the depravity of my own soul. I don't even want to comprehend how deep it can go in sin. And when I look at this picture right here, I see how much he loves us. But I also see how deep my sin can run. And any time that I'm tempted, I want to run back to the altar. I want to run back to Jesus, to the feet of Christ and say, Lord, would you forgive me one more time? I lay low, I humble myself before you, and I submit myself to you because I recognize by what Jesus did on the cross and what they did to him, my sin put him there, the depth of my heart. I don't even want to contemplate that. So our text that we read in Mark 16 it begins with three women visiting the grave after Good Friday. You had three women. One woman was whom Jesus had casted out seven devils. The other woman was the wife of Joseph's brother. So actually it was Jesus' aunt was the second woman who came. It was Mary's sister-in-law that came. And then the third woman was the wife of Zebedee, which is the mother of James and John. So those are the three women that we read about in Mark 16. Now I want you to note that the three women made their way to the graveyard while it was still dark because they got up before the sun had risen. They left home while it was still dark. Think about it. Three women in love with Jesus, even though it seemed all hope had been lost at that point. Think about it. They went on a march of love at the pitch black of darkness to a graveyard during a very tumultuous time. I mean, people had been arrested. They had just killed Jesus. Many of the disciples had went and hidden. You couldn't even find Thomas, even if you wanted to find him. I mean, they had ran, and here these three women are going at dark time, it's dark, going then to a graveyard. They were going to a graveyard in the dark. It, what was... What was driving them to do this? A love for Jesus. Even though they had frustrated hopes, Easter speaks to us that even though our hopes may be frustrated, we cannot give up in our faith journey. You see, our purpose in life is not counted in the wins and loss column of our life. By all accounts, these women had lost the battle. They had lost the argument as to who Jesus was. They had been telling everybody for three and a half years that he's the Messiah, that he's the Messiah. Look at the wonderful miracles he has done. But he just died on a cross, and he's been in the grave now for several days, for a couple of nights now. And so it looked like they had lost the argument. But their purpose in life is to be faithful to their faith. and Their purpose in life is to be faithful to their belief in Jesus. I hope you hear that. An overcoming attitude says, even if I fail in the world's eyes, let me be faithful to my God nonetheless. So they went in the dark to minister to someone who can no longer help them. Think about it. It's one thing to be faithful to someone and to care for someone while they are walking around, healing the sick people, raising the dead people, and performing miracles. Because then Jesus could also help them too. But now he is dead. Now he is buried. So whatever they were going to do, it was not in the hopes of getting something in return for their efforts. But it was an expression of love. Mark 16, 3. These three women begin to have a conversation around the fact, how are we going to remove the stone? They're walking. They're thinking, that's a big old stone. How are we going to get to Jesus? 
there was an obstacle that kept them from their desired purpose. A stone was in the way. And this speaks to us today that there will always be obstacles in our way. Listen to me. If we are trying to live for God, there will always be challenges in living for God. Whether it's your marriage obstacles or children obstacles or financial obstacles or just the world events, inflation, what, political, whatever it is, there will always be something that stands between you and serving God. Everyone in here has been faced with obstacles, things that you can't handle, things that are bigger than you. But these stones are not meant to stop you, but to teach you how to rely on God further. So you have there in verse 3 that this stone was beyond their skill or beyond their ability to move. I wonder how many of us in here tonight that on our way, when we begin to think about this big obstacle that is in our way, this big stone in our way, would have turned around and said, why even bother to try to serve Jesus? Why even bother to try to continue in our walk with God when I'm facing this big hurdle standing between me and it? Imposing self-limitations, creating self-made ceilings in our walk, in our relationship with God. We say our purpose can't be achieved. We can't do this. Why? Because of this obstacle. What have you turned back on? What have you stopped and what, have you, what has kept you from moving forward? Please know that this obstacle was not a figment of their imagination. This stone was real. It, it very much existed. So the problems that you face are real life challenges. They are not made up. But God, even today, still knows how to roll a stone away and out of your way in Jesus' name. He hasn't stopped. Verse 4, while they are talking about the obstacle, while they are saying that this stone is going to be a problem, and they're saying, I don't know if we're going to be able to move forward in, in, in what we are purposed in our heart to do for God. I don't know if I can live one more day because of what I have experienced. Watch now. While they're talking about the obstacle, God had already dealt with it. I know that this is a subdued message and I'm supposed to be sitting down but that really makes me want to shout <laughs> you got to hear me by the Holy Spirit some of the, some of the things that you're worried about some of the things that you are concerned about how you are going to deal with it how am I going to get through this next week how am I going to live this next month? How am I going to function this next year? Listen to me by the Holy Spirit. God has already went ahead of you and has already dealt with those things that you think is going to stop you. God has already dealt with it. It is dealt with. It is under control. You are wor your worry is needlessly done, being done right now. Now, if they had turned around on their journey before they arrived because of their conversation with the stone. You see, they could have got up that morning and, and were very motivated. Let's go, let's go anoint the body of Jesus. Yes, get up early, 5 a.m., let's go. And they, they're on their way, they're walking. As they're walking, they start saying, hey, hey, Mary, are, are you going to be able to roll that stone away? No, Mary, I... I thought you were going to be able to roll the stone away. No, I don't know how we're going to do this. Well, you know, you know what, ladies? Won't we just stop right here 
can go back and wait on Peter and the other fellows to come move the stone so that we don't just waste our time trying to serve God. So we don't just waste our time going to church. So we don't waste our time praying about this stone. So we don't waste our time worshiping God. So we don't waste our time. Listen to me now. What if they would have done that? They would have never known what God had already done in their future. Oh, you got to press your way on. You know, one of the things, one of the reasons I get up every morning so excited about that day and the sun is coming up because I have an expectation down inside of me that God may have answered my prayers on that day. It's one of the reasons I get up. I'm excited. I'm like, I wonder if God is going to answer my prayer today. And there are some prayers that Pastor Jason has been praying for a very long time. Yes, I have. Years, going on years. And I get up, I wonder if this is the day. I wonder if this is when God is going to move that stone, that stony heart. I wonder if this is the day that God's going to bring that breakthrough. Let me keep going. My second point. So God has the power to move the stone and he does it in the dark. The stone was rolled away before the rising of the sun. God works in the dark when you can't see him. He's working things out when you don't even realize he's working things out. And all you must do is keep moving and keep believing. God has it under control. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe it's by live stream. God has it under control. Luke 24, verse number 4. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, verse number 5. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the ground, they said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Listen, here are angels talking to the Marys. Why do you seek the living among the dead? The angel was sitting on the stone just to let them know that nobody moved it. It was God that moved the stone. You don't got to figure out who moved this for you. The angel is sitting on it to let them know that God had already removed the obstacle out of your way. Let me keep going. Luke 24 verse number 9. Then they returned from the tomb and told all the things to the eleven and, and to the, all the rest of what they had seen, verse number 10, it was Mary and Jonah, I can't really read it, Jonah and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who were with them that told these things to the apostles. And this and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Watch this. This is powerful. So the disciples did not believe the three women's testimony of what they had just seen. They said, I saw Jesus die. I know you died. I understand. All the facts and all the realities, he is dead. But here's the thing. They could not comprehend that Jesus was alive. It, 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 even though Jesus had taught them, it reminds me also of the road to Emmaus's house in Luke 24, verse 33. Uh, for time's sake, I won't read verse 33 and verse 34, but it was as Jesus was walking with them, and as they were talking, something burned deep down inside of their heart. They could not factor it in. I want you to note that in Christianity, you believing in Jesus or not believing in Jesus has no outcome of the truth of Jesus. The, the, the Marys were telling the disciples that Jesus is alive. They didn't believe. On the road to Emmaus' house, Jesus is talking and they didn't believe that he was alive. you got to hear me. 
Just because someone else doesn't believe that he is alive, but we believe he's alive, doesn't discount the fact that he is alive. It is important because in today's world, we live with no absolute truths. And truth has been regulated to individuals. And what I mean by that, it is this. If I believe it, then it's true for me. But if I don't believe it, then it's not true for me. But that's not what Christianity is. It is in this passage. It is clear that whether the other individuals believe the testimony of these women or not... Jesus was still alive. Do you see the point that I'm making right there? So the truth in Christianity are going to apply to everyone regardless if they think it will or not. So in Luke 24 verse 34, uh, Jesus appeared to Simon. Remember the last time that Simon had saw Jesus, he was denying the Lord. And he was over there lying and cussing the little girl out. But here Jesus did not deny him the right to see him alive even though he had denied him. You see, Easter assures us, like Peter, that it does not matter what you've done or how you have done it. Jesus will still forgive you and he'll still show himself to you. Even though we fail, he doesn't write us off. Even though we make mistakes and we say the wrong thing, he does not throw us away. You have to see this point. In the text, there is no evidence of what Jesus said between the two. There's no evidence. There's no record of Peter's confession. If I could read into it though, it would probably have been a very intimate and a very emotional time between Peter and Jesus. Peter was probably confessing and repenting. He was probably saying how sorry and how wrong he was. He was probably asking the Lord to forgive him. And There might have been something in his mind that thought, will Jesus even receive me again because I denied him? But Jesus kept this moment very private. It was just between them two. Whatever you bring to Jesus, he will never betray you with gossip. You can be very, very vulnerable with Jesus. You got to hear me. Jesus will cover you. His love covers a multitude of sin. Oh, man. The, it's true when the Bible says confession is good for the soul. When you empty your heart out before the Lord Jesus, whatever you say to Jesus, it is only between you and Him alone. You can confess anything to Christ and He will never embarrass you. Jesus can be trusted because Jesus keeps His word. And my last point, declare who Jesus is. Any belief in Christ must start with the confession that I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Did you hear what I said? Any confession of faith has to start there. In, in John chapter 20, verse 24 through 28, let me read this in your hearing. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. I'm going to speak to that in just a second. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26, and after eight days, 
His disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them this time. He was late. Watch, I'm going to say something about that. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst. Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Watch this, verse 28. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Now here is the story of Thomas. Thomas is like some in our church, always late. Come on somebody, talk to me in here. It's all right. it's okay, you'll still see Jesus. So Jesus appeared to the disciples, but Thomas was not there. Thomas again, watch, same, same point. Jesus is alive, they're telling him. We've seen him. He's alive. And Thomas is like, I don't believe it. Just because Thomas didn't believe it didn't mean Jesus was not alive. you got to see that. I need to see it. I need proof, preacher. I can't believe in God. I can't believe in Jesus. I need proof. Then Jesus shows up. But still, Thomas says, I need to touch the nail-scarred hands. All of this belief, all of this before Thomas can believe. And Jesus said, come and get your proof then, Thomas. I chose you knowing that this day would come. I chose you knowing that you would have doubts. After Thomas fulfilled his doubts, then he proclaimed, My Lord and my God, Thomas, now knows that this is no ordinary man. This is God. Begotten and not made. Same substance of the Father. On this Good Friday, what is Jesus to you? Just a prophet? Just a teacher? Just a good man? To me, I say the same thing that Thomas said. To me, tonight, He is my Lord and He is my God. I stand with Doubting Thomas, and I believe that Jesus is my Lord. I'm not speaking for you, but He's my God. Jesus has power. He rose from the dead. He has the key keys of death, hell, and the grave. He's the Lord in heaven. He's the Lord on earth, and He's the Lord under the earth. Jesus is God in this church. Jesus is God in this world. He has power to forgive, and He has power to heal. And if you believe that, say Amen tonight. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. For more information about the Revival Center, visit us on the web at revivalcenterag.com.